everyone. Welcome to another episode of Create Ideas in Commercial Real Estate. This is your host, Ashley Koltonsky. I have with me today a very, very special guest, a very special friend of mine, Jim Ambrose. It's a pleasure to be here, Ashley. Hi, Hi, Jim. Jim Jim works at Desmone, which is an architecture and interior design firm in Pittsburgh, and he runs all of their business and uh, business development and marketing operations of Desmone. So, and also other than that, he's a very close friend of mine, highly respected, highly valued, super smart guy. And I'm just thrilled for you to be Uh, here and talking with me. You don't have to say that about me. You're also, (laughs) I mean, I'm here because you're also very smart. We've done a lot of great work together in nonprofits and organizations and boards and I think that uh, I'm looking forward to having a discussion about create. Yeah, this is this is going to be fun. We have a great topic to discuss today. Um, Desmone is, like I said, an architecture interior design firm in Pittsburgh, and they just went through a massive brand overhaul, um, refresh, or whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't say it's completely new. It ta- it brings back their existing branding, but a real refresh and re new identity and new life into their brand. Yeah. So we want to talk about that and all the strategies that you guys used in the firm and how you went about this whole process and how you see it as a beneficial marketing instrument and something that you put a lot of money and time and effort into and how that is going to help the firm overall. Yeah, it was really important for Desmond because uh, the company's been around for 62 years and it was started by Luke Desmond and he put his blood, sweat and tears in this entire business and it was inherited by Chip. And uh, I think Chip is smartly uh, recognized that he's not going to be at the firm forever and he has several other partners, I think up to nine now at this point. And uh, this effort was really a collaboration between him and his partners to try to establish what the true core identity of Desmond and the spirit of everything that him and his father tried to build uh, so that it would be ever everlasting in the marketplace. So did he initiate this, like, let's talk about who initiated like, Hey, let's, let's take a look at our branding and are we doing a good job? Are we not doing a job and how can we improve upon it? Honestly, I think it started whenever I had my first interview with them in 2016, I uh, had recently just come off of a a technology startup company and what attracted me to the company uh, to be a Desmond was that they essentially were saying in their job description that we know that we have something special. Mm -hmm. We know that we, are trying to grow nationally and we're looking for someone to come help us put all that together. Mm-hmm. So in the interview process, uh, they, all the partners, you know, Chip, Eric Booth, Travis, Bia, Brad, at the time, those were the only partners. They, uh, and Luke, they, they all said that they wanted to, that there was some sort of special magic happening, but they didn't feel that uh, they were communicating it in a way that was uh, easily understood by people and in a way that it can be replicated in other markets. So in collaborating with them, we helped establish what that identity and what that brand was going to be. And I guess that's the story we'll talk to you about today. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing to just comment on that there are a lot of facets of our industry and commercial real estate that are really good at what they do. Really good. 
but do they know how to communicate what they do and what they're good at and with their end users or with the people that they're trying to reach, which is ding, 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 where marketing professionals come in and play a massive role. And again, this is why a big reason I like wanted to do this podcast to highlight these types of examples where marketing is so important to business and especially in our world and, and how, you know, this is a success story, in my opinion, of Desmond doing this work and putting in this um, value to boost themselves up in a marketing standpoint and perspective. And so that's what we want to talk about. Um, so let's jump right in. How, what, I guess, step one, walk us through how Desmond went about searching through. You are, first of all, a big, you deserve a lot of props because you quarterbacked this effort for the firm. You they had to want to do it. You, you, they did. They had to agree with what your thought process was on this, but you quarterbacked it. You led the effort in let's make some change. So walk us through how yeah. you did that. So again, I give you the history of the firm because I think in, to your point about the industry, most people are very good at communicating what they do and potentially how they do it. But it's very rare that you have any segment of the industry, whether it be an architecture firm, a brokerage firm, uh, engineering, even some developers, they don't really always communicate why they do it. Mm -hmm. And what I recognize with these partners, whenever even in the interview process, is that they really wanted to express and tap into the emotion, the emotional side of why they come to work every single day, represent that in a solid brand and uh, allow uh, the essence of that emotional why matriculate into how and what they do as a practice. Mm. So the challenge was essentially establishing a process to identify what that was and then uh, putting it into practice. And their end goal is obviously like, is their end goal winning more business? Is their end goal being more recognized in the Pittsburgh community? Well, like more revenue. I mean, it's not a, there's no right or wrong answer, but what is their overall end goal? I, I really believe that their end goal is to create everlasting positive change for the people that they are serving. So when you look at an architect, any architect says, well, I, I feel like I have the biggest impact to change the world because I'm designing space. Everybody's in a space all the time, mm -hmm. whether that's indoor or outdoor. Mm -hmm. And so by tapping into understanding why that makes them passionate, that will only matriculate into the quality of the work of what they're doing. And in the process of identifying what those key differentiators are, uh, their goal was to sort of set an example of what others in the architectural industry can and should be doing mm -hmm. so that the industry can then evolve to get into more of this uh, emotional side of the space that you're designing for people and essentially allow the, the industry to essentially evolve into something where you're designing for the quality of the space versus the mathematical financial solutions that a lot of people are positioned into. That's pretty, I, I, I just feel like that's pretty cutting edge for architecture firms. I have a, you know, we both have backgrounds in architecture yeah. and we have that experience of what firms are like. That's a forward thinking 
idea, which I'm sure is what attracted you to the position with it's, them. It's the only reason why I left the technology sector to come back into architecture. As you ran, I, I went to school to be an architect, tried it, I didn't like it. I left, came back because they had this vision to do this. That's awesome. And uh, the journey that we all took together to uh, essentially represent what they were feeling is was really a three-year process mm -hmm. um, because we really went to every single corner that no other architecture firm would ever want to go to to be able to establish all the things that everybody liked and didn't like about the industry, about themselves, about the practice, about their clients, and uh, hone in on all those details to really truly represent something it wasn't just a reflection of the shareholders, but all of the people that they aimed to serve. Um, so, you know, from day one, whenever I was hired, just to be able to get to know everybody and knowing that they wanted to, to go through this process, uh, we essentially, the partners and I developed a, a questionnaire and a series of, of things that I could ask every individual of the company to not only get to know them because I was new, mm -hmm. but then to also start to tap into uh, each individual's reasoning as to what inspired mm -hmm. them about their their daily work. Yeah, this is so important. I did this when I started at the firm I'm at now. And it's like you said, it's not only a way for you to get to know people for your own individual, how do I work with people, but it is it's like a peek into looking at what drives yeah. these people, how they work, how they function, what's important to them. So that initial questionnaire or audit or interviews of people that you work with, I think you're gathering in the information at that point. Well, and the advantage that I have compared to people who might already be employed is that I'm coming in as an unbiased party mm -hmm. saying, I just want to get to know you. Yep. You know, why do you put in 65 hours a week? To, to this particular building or this interior design that you're working on. Yeah. What's making you tick? Right. And what was really cool to witness, I think it was maybe a, a 15 question standard form that I started with, but it turned into a very long conversation with each individual that all deviated into whatever path mm -hmm. they wanted to take it. And what was neat was that I really diligently captured a lot of notes with them. Mm -hmm. And the thread of what would emotionally make somebody so passionate about the work that they were doing was common across the entire company. Mm. And that's really cool to see because yeah. that speaks to at least what they believe in is, is a common thread through their hiring practice, right? They're, they're attracting the same type of people with hopefully the same values and the same style and beliefs that they have. Yeah. That's and, a beautiful thing. And, and I think, I think that's why there's such loyalty to that firm that everybody does share a common thread, but then, uh, you know, previously what they had never taken the time to do was to identify what that was. Mm -hmm. So that was really the purpose of this exercise was to identify what that was. Mm -hmm. And in Desmond's case, it, it really just boiled down to some words that I think are pretty powerful and really actually serve as a cornerstone of the brand today that they have, which is that they are adaptable, they're humanist, they're collaborative, they're creative, they're personal, they're communicative, they're future thinking, and they're just 
honestly, they're really attentive. Anybody that they ever talk to that's a client, they respond within 24 and 48 hours. And it's like, that's weird mm -hmm. for real estate mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah. But they do it because they care about those people. Is this something, is this, this almost kind of re establishing your core values of the firm? Is this something you did prior to hiring an external marketing firm? Is this something you did with internally? So, so we, we first tried to do it internally. Yeah. And, and then between us and the partners, we made a mission statement and we enlisted a couple of people who were team members, uh, that were practicing designers to also be a part of that process. Uh, we presented to the company, we collectively wrote down some uh, revisions to the drafts that were iterated as a result of all of those interviews. Mm -hmm. And uh, we thought that we had the winning thing. Uh, but then whenever we tried to put it to practice, uh, you know, as you know, in real estate, everybody immediately reverts back to their day to day. And uh, the whole exercise is almost completely forgotten. So even yeah. though we had spent a lot of time doing it, we weren't quite successful. We were successful in identifying the common thread that everyone shared, but we had not yet made that common thread integrated to everything that the brand wants. Well, that's a, that's a job in of itself, right? So yeah. that's why you hire a firm or that's why you bring in someone with integrated marketing experience and, and, tactics for that because you did the you did like the background gathering of information but implementing that and strategically planning and and making an integrated marketing strategy for your firm that's a that's a full-time job right there yeah so you're right you you nailed it on the head and so once we realized that didn't happen we did engage an outside firm uh it was just a friend of one of the partners and we didn't really do any vetting beyond that to uh, determine whether they were qualified to be able to help establish the culture. What we were doing is we were establishing what the culture was mm -hmm. and really trying to communicate that in a clear way. So we, we went with this one company and uh, we probably spent another three months in reiterating all of the exercises that we had previously done internally. Mm -hmm. And they essentially produce the same result mm -hmm. as to what we had already done. But I think the value in hiring an outside source is that it allows uh, people who are ingrained in that organization day to day to kind of put their guard down and understand that, like, look, we've made an investment, mm -hmm. not only monetarily, but also with a time commitment yeah. to this. And we're going to listen to what they have to say. Right. Instead of just seeing somebody doing it. Internally. Right. Right. And so the value in having that outside source come in is that it woke everybody up to really tap into and understand like, yes, this thing is us. Yeah. Like we are in, in Desmond's case, like everyone said, we don't design because we think we know better for the world as designers and all that. We design because we are inspired by everybody else's vision that we serve. So our job as practicing professionals is to take that vision of the other individual and translate it into all of the technical things that need to happen in a given real estate deal. And so, you know, how do you then represent mm -hmm. the spirit of that? Because that's almost a little bit uh, opposite of what people perceive the architecture practice to be. A lot of times people will 
go to an architecture firm and say like, tell me what I should have. Well, really the conversation shouldn't be, you know, uh, tell me how you want to work today. It's, well, I said that backwards. It's actually have it here. Uh, where we were at the time is that we would ask somebody, what type of space do you want to create? Whereas what we should have been asking people is how do you want to live or work? Who are you? Who are you? Yeah. We, we wanted to be able to tap into the, the why, if you will, mm -hmm. of that given person. Mm -hmm. So until we represented what our why was and why we wanted to work as that practicing professional. How could you implement that? Us. Exactly. So this is almost like a experiment within so that then you are better informed to do your services to external clients and, and help them with the same problems in a way. Right. So you're doing this finding your why, which is something we've done on a personal level as yeah. friends. Yeah, we follow, we follow the Simon Sinek thing. Simon Sinek, find your why, really powerful exercise. I, I think that the whole theory is something that every business, if not every individual, should consider thinking about and working through because understanding, and you can talk about this, but my... I was on the facilitating end of yeah. you and I working through this personally, job. but you, we were working towards finding your why and, it, and to hopefully for you to understand yourself better. So on the facilitating end and going through that experience with you, it just makes sense. It just makes sense for anyone to be doing business or to be working through whatever they want to produce in the world. Why? Like it's, I think about like who, what, where, when, why, like those like five W's yeah, right. and the why is like the last one. The why is like the first one though. Like it, it should, should inform, be. it should be the first one because it informs why you're doing what you're doing in a world oversaturated with everything, anything, everything. That's your differentiator. And so on a personal level, speak to on the, on the you end of understanding your why and what that does for you as a human being. It, it came from a place that I knew that I personally, if we're going to, if we'll talk about me as an individual, it came from a place that I knew that I'm wired and that I have a set of skills and talents that I can share with the world that I know that I'm good at, but I didn't necessarily, necessarily understand what was driving it and why it was being driven. And so the exercise that we did together uh, was the perfect thing because it, the way that you facilitated it, the way that we communicated uh, about it is you essentially tap into a lot of stories mm -hmm. and storytelling. And if you just step back and look at the, the entire industry of marketing at a 30,000 foot level, it's, it's a series of stories to create value mm -hmm. that essentially encourage somebody to, to make a decision, mm -hmm. whether that's a purchasing decision or a behavioral decision or whatever. Um, so by doing that, it, 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 it's very, it is the most difficult thing that I think I've ever done in the sense that you have to put your guard down. Mm -hmm. You have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. You have to be, you have to, because as, as you go through life, you, what you quickly realize when you go through this process is that 
you spend all day doing something. And a lot of times the doing is pretty similar to what you do this next day and the day after that and the day after that. And that type of exercise really forces you to reflect on the, uh, the common threads of, of, of the doing part. Mm-hmm. And then you almost reverse engineer what that why is. Yeah. And when you are doing a particular task, it triggers an emotion and that you did a great job in picking up what the emotional intelligence was of something that would make me upset or like happy that I did in my life. But that is capturing that it's, it's, it's very similar to what you, well, it's very similar to, you know, Desmond hiring an outside firm because you're coming in as this third party. And I, I came in as this third party to your life where I don't know these background stories. I don't know. You know nothing about I don't know you at all. No, (laughs) I knew you a little bit, but I didn't know these very intimate personal stories about, you know, childhood and family and things that matter to you at your core. And I was able to basically just record and then highlight similar words that were repeated in stories and, and themes in each story and feelings in each story. And then, like you said, we reverse engineered and worked backwards into developing this, this why statement for you as a person. Yeah. And it's almost like a process of elimination because you did that for me at a personal level. And it, it sounds like, you know, now it's a great point that you actually bring up that what you did with me to identify my why is similar. It's a similar strategy that any marketer can apply to a company that is trying to find its identity and to try to find out their uh, mission, Mm -hmm. their vision. And, uh, you know, in all the stories that I had with people in Desmond, there was always that emotional portion Mm -hmm. where they would tell a story of, you know, I remember the one girl said that she would just essentially rearrange the kitchen 8,000 times and, and, and like put different drapery and like paint the walls different colors. And that's how she knew she was going to be an interior designer. And it brought her a lot of joy to essentially do that for other people because she was able to tap into what they were seeing in their brain and then translate it into a reality in a way that they, that that individual that they were serving never could. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's easy to talk about, but then how do you market that? You know, how do you, how do you create that emotional connection that one human being can have with another in design and quantify it so that everyone can get it? You have to understand it. It's not just like hearing the stories. It's like working through. And that's something that I enjoy doing. And I think there are professionals out there that can hear people speak and digest it and chew on it and then say, okay, if that, then this is what I think. And maybe it's right or wrong, but, um, that's the process. That's part of the process. And so going back into Desmond's story, so you guys, you know, hired this outside firm and worked through again, kind of continuing the process internally. So once the culture was aligned, the next step was then to visualize it and to have a, uh, a way to describe ourselves that captured and embodied the spirit of what everybody was saying. 
uh, into something that the rest of the world could understand. At that point, were you thinking deliverables at all, or were you still trying to understand it? Were you thinking like, we might need a website refresh. We might need a new tagline. Like were any of those being talked about? Are you still like trying to wrap your head around what the hell is Desmone and what do we stand for? No, I I think I knew it was pretty clear what they stood for and why they stood for it. I think what was hard was finding somebody who could capture that and really tap into that, uh, the why side of it, and then not have an ego to want to redo everything the other vendors had done for us. So uh, after interviewing seven or eight different vendors, we selected one. I mean, I'll give them a shout out. They might be on an episode potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Top Hat, uh, we selected them to essentially help us with uh, creating the visual identity and the brand. Mm-hmm. And strategy, and, branding and strategy. And, strategy. And, and so and I start with the visual identity because we felt that we had the right strategy. But when we hired them, they came in and actually showed us that there was a different way of even looking at what we had already established uh, as to like what we thought our culture and our mission and our vision was. And so uh, with that insight, what we did next is we empowered them to do a market study of the entire industry, it, not only in our regional areas that we served, which were Pittsburgh, West Virginia and uh, Maryland, but also nationally and globally. You know, what were other architecture firms doing and saying that deemed to be successful? And so that market study really rendered a lot of very, very, very A lot of insight, I'm sure. Insight. And I'll just share some statistics with you that I think are are pretty unique or not unique, but but interesting is that 94% of all architecture firms, this is as a result of their market study. So... If you don't believe these facts, call them. <laughs> uh, 94% of the firms lack a discernible core messaging, essentially their why. I, I, I'm not surprised by that statistic. Like it, that's crazy, but I'm not surprised by that statistic. And, and so they took it a step further and they said that 89% of the firms utilize minimal brand identities, meaning like they abbreviate their firm with just a few letters. Hmm. So you're trying to remember, you know, ABC firm mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. interesting, uh, you know, one, two, three. Like yeah. it, it's a combination of letters and numbers to try to make it minimalist, but then it's very cold to the person that you're trying to market to in the sense that like, I'm not connecting to three letters, you know, yeah. if you're trying to, if, if you're saying as an architecture and interior design firm that you're going to provide an experience, it's going to capture all the emotional things that you're seeing in the space inside your head as a client. I'm not connecting with you whenever I say, hey, I'm from GCD squared. That's and- a really interesting point because then, you know, so you hear these statistics and you're like, how do we combat that? What is our solution here? How do we connect right? How do we fix that problem? So we are connecting with people and we're not just a bunch of letters squished together. So the industry thinks that the way that you connect with people beyond then their name is to show the portfolio of the projects that they worked on. Mm -hmm. So in that study, 
that they did, they found out that 88% of all firms globally feature work on their homepage. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's how firms were trying to break the barrier of this cold, essentially almost like a robotic type of brand and logo and identity they were putting out. And, and their way to solve, to make it more human was to just show projects of things that, that they've worked on in the past. And so uh, what, what they learned in the way that the consumers respond to that is that it came off as egotistical. It came off as uh, a, a copycat trend following type of uh, experience that the consumers interpreted them in. And, and I wonder, like, so are consumers, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, are consumers in this, what you're speaking to right now, are they... The people who are hiring these firms or are they just the average consumers searching for architecture firms because I, I i would be interested to know inside the mind and i know we're going to have some um guests on the show that are developers and are decision makers for who are hiring architecture firms how do they think through deciding on architecture firms is that specific in their consumer analysis or is that just you know the average joe looking yeah, at websites you actually bring up a really great point in this case the consumer and and what top hat and uh encouraged us to look at is your consumer is the person who is inhabiting the space whether you mm, whether and you occupier or not, the occupier exactly whether it's a company whether it's somebody in their home whether it's somebody going to a hotel mm -hmm. or a movie theater or wherever. That's, that's what they were going That's after. That's who they were benchmarking these mm -hmm. things against. You know, a developer is somebody who essentially provides the space. They take on all the risk to be able to build the shell of the building and the interior feel of the space. So sometimes our clients are developers, but what we do in those relationships now is we make sure that that developer is thinking about those end users. That makes sense. Yes. That, and that's important, but it is, I just wonder if there's a gap there in their analysis of, you know, really analyzing the decision makers who are hiring the firms, who are deciding between A, B, and C firm but I do understand the, the end, the experiential user of the space is important for yeah, sure. Right. And, and look, but they're not always, that doesn't always equate to the decision maker. So to connect this back to the emotional things that drive Desmond's uh, team members and shareholders, it is to serve that end user. And this is where marketing and brand are very, very important. And to any organization and, and what every marketer should really make sure that they acknowledge is that if you align yourself as a company with another company who is providing space that doesn't see the world that way, it's the wrong relationship to be in. That, that mm. developer is never going to produce a high quality space for the end user if their motives are different than anything other than that. I hate, so we shouldn't. I love that. I like, I love that so much, but I hate to like make this super broad, but like that is a massive shift we need to make in our industry. And I know you and I agree with that sentiment. And I know we've had, you know, offline discussions about this, but like there needs to be a change. There 
there does. In this this sequence of thoughtful design and development for who you're serving. Right. And it's a lot, it takes a lot more time and energy and effort to do it the right way than just to do it. Yeah. It's almost like the whole industry has to tap into the end user. Uh, you know, we're, we're just an architecture firm. We're one fraction of the deal that happens in real estate. But in order to really make this change, uh, all parties involved in a given real estate transaction have to have that same motivation. The brokers, the engineers, the bankers, the real estate lawyers, you know, we can name everybody. And um, I think whenever we were talking about earlier of Desmond wanting to set that example, uh, what's, what's neat about architecture is that architecture is a unique service provider where they are involved with the end user of the space from start to finish. Mm. So uh, the, the hypothesis is that if you're going to make this change in real estate, it has to start with the architecture firms drawing the line in the sand and saying, we understand this is how uh, buildings have been built in the past, but this is how we're going to be doing them in the future. Yeah. So the, 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 the whole brand transformation that Desmond went through is obviously aimed at uh, serving the, the emotions and the whys of all of the team members and the shareholders of the company, but to also make a statement to the rest of the industry that, you know, change can happen in a positive way and not necessarily disrupt things as long as you change your outlook of who you're actually serving yeah. in the real estate process. Yeah. Which kind of all goes back to understanding your why, yeah. which informs all of your behaviors and all of your decision-making and all of your brand standards and all of what you're presenting to the world, which in turn uh, like hypothetically or hopefully realistically attracts the same people who believe in what you believe in. Right. And like-minded individuals will come to you for your services. Well, and because if you tap into the people who have to use the space over time, uh, the, the practitioners in the real estate industry who don't feel that the end user is of value the market will eventually weed them out. Yeah. In my business opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, a lot of times I get the question of, okay, great. You've identified all of these great things that Desmond wants to be emotionally. They've established their why you have a, a logo. So, so what, after we, we talked about some statistics in the market of what we saw the other firms doing. So uh, top hat intentionally uh, created logos and graphics that were the opposite of that. And I mean, for example, uh, 100% of all architecture firms use a mechanical serif or sans serif type typeface in their work. I'm not surprised by hearing that. It's, That's such a like, because architects are like, we're graphic designers too. You know what I mean? They're right, like, right, we right. can do it all. Architects can do everything. I love that. So, That's and, then, funny. and then on top of that, 50% of them use black and white as their core colors. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the second most popular theme was that 22% used red. I was going to say red. Yeah. I was like black, white, and red. Yeah. So, so <laughs> that is... by, by acknowledging that and quantifying that, uh, you know, what, what we chose to do 
in, in collaboration with Top Hat is we took Luke Desmond's original signature that he used to sign on watercolor renderings and paintings that he would make whenever he was in his early, early days. That's cool. Days. That's really cool. He would always sign his last name in lowercase letters, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Luke Desmond. And, and so whenever we asked him as a part of that interview process, why did you do that? And he said, look, he's like, it takes a lot of courage for somebody to walk through the doors of my office and say, Hey, I, I really like, I need to, I have this problem with a building or this house or work, whatever he was going to design for them. And I just need your help to do it. And I, I don't know what else to do other than to turn to an architect and have them put it all together. And so Luke would take that personally. And, uh, what he didn't like about the industry, whenever he started out in, uh, you know, 62 years ago was how architects would sort of tell that individual what they needed instead of understanding what they need yeah. to then translate. Listening. It. it comes down to listening. Listening. And, like, and so the, the, the lowercase signature was a way to show informality. I love that. And that's and really essentially nice. Essentially show that he wasn't going to put all, because most architects write their signature or their mark in all capital letters. So he did it in all lowercase to show that. I humble. love that. Yeah. That so is so a, cool. A cool little story. So, so what we did is we scanned uh, a series of his signatures and then uh, hired a uh, custom hand, like one of the top custom hand letters in the entire nation. And they essentially made several different versions of his signature that then Luke and all the other shareholders got to vote on as to what their favorite one was. Cool. Like they basically created a font. They created right? their own font. That's cool. Which was rooted in Luke's signature. Mm -hmm. And so that it paid homage to the past yeah. and the humility he had whenever he was working with people, but that it also had this sharp, fast forward, trendy thing to, to, to move the industry forward. Yeah. So there were, there were different treatments in the angle of what, what way the font went and the partners ended up deciding on the one that had the most dramatic shift. Hmm. And the statement that Luke made is that he liked that one the best, even though it didn't match his signature, because it showed that we were moving fast, we were pushing ahead and we were thinking about the industry in a different way. And our logo should represent that. So symbolic. Yeah. So that what, is such a great story yeah that's a, really cool so you know while there's a formal process that you follow in this you get to discover really cool stories like that and yeah and the uh the the, the human part of like why people attach yeah. themselves to these logos and brands and you're not just doing it to do it you, you know it would and this takes a lot of time and effort and energy and money to put into invest in an actual marketing firm leading this effort with you and trust yeah but that is such a more impactful and meaningful story created other than just saying like you know we just, we just capital does moan or whatever like i don't i just love that i yeah. love that so much and, and then what also made it unique in that in that actual branding logo process is that most companies will have like a primary and a secondary color we now have six colors so uh because what we found too in like our early surveying one of the questions to like warm people up was what was your favorite color mm. and so we used the, the top five choices of everybody that's cool to, to essentially have 
some brand standards yeah five colors and then when we tapped so as a part of understanding uh the company and like the experience that everybody was trying to create we then took those keywords that i mentioned earlier wow. and then assigned colors to each of them and then in each phase this of, is so intense this is yeah, so cool there was a lot of effort this is a lot more deep than i thought it was when we've talked about it but that is like literally including the heart and soul of each employee yes into this process whether they even realize it or not i don't know how you've communicated it to your internal you know internally but that's amazing well and i think it's important because then you know it doesn't the firm doesn't become inclusion was very important for the firm for anybody that we're working with and it mm -hmm. doesn't matter whether you're a multimillionaire who's going to develop real estate or a nonprofit who's just trying to get their first building up to fulfill their mission. Uh, it was important for the firm to be accessible to all. And I think by offering a, a series of colors, you're, you're essentially giving this, I think it just adds an extra it level adds, of humanity. It adds more. I was just going to say it adds more life into it. Yeah. And and so what then after we establish that look and feel, then it's like, okay, well, how do we do this? So what was really important as a part of the process was then establishing and distilling the step-by-step -step experience that we wanted to give to a uh, potential client Cool. to be able to deliver right. the experience in the space that the end user would deserve. So right. So to that point, you've done, you know, a lot of internal work on your brand and your brand standards and what you guys are, but then like, okay, how do we take this and how do we run with it externally yeah. to clients and prospects and how do we win business and how do we make our clients move through this process that we have in a similar way? Yeah. And I guess a better way to probably describe it is it's almost like it was, we were establishing our product. It was product development. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you're a service company, you know, you, right. you provide a service. So how do you provide that service in alignment with, with, with what you just established for your own, you know, right. company. Right. And you know, in marketing, you're marketing a product, whether that is a service, whether that's a tangible thing that you're buying and consuming, whether that's food, whether that's whatever you're, you're, it's all a product. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we, we developed this thing called the service journey that was the foolproof way to get from point A to point Z as an end user to be able to enjoy the space that you want to enjoy. And, you know, as designers, we're just the vehicle to execute that. So that ended up turning into five categories that then have several tasks that happen within each of those categories. But mm -hmm. really the order is, is that we're going to envision with you mm -hmm. where we're going to dive into your brain together and essentially figure out all the reasons why you're doing it as somebody who's going to occupy that space. Mm -hmm. so step one, step two is that we are going to then plan how we're going to be able to put together all of those things that you want to experience. We'll design those solutions given whatever situation that you're in, whether it be uh, an existing building or a certain budget constraint or a certain timeline or whatever your variable is that you have to overcome. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and then, you know, with those three things, then it's a matter of executing it. So executes the fourth category. And then the probably the most important one and the fifth one, which is really integrated into the first part of the process whenever you're envisioning it, is Thrive. Uh, we are one of the tagline that came out of combining the emotional part of why Desmond exists, what they aim to do, the service journey is how they do it. The endpoint of those three things combined and the tagline that we are now using in marketing is that we are designing to thrive. Mm. So thrive is the last part of our, our service journey where we are benchmarking and measuring mm -hmm. that each of those tasks that we did with an individual as a part of the product experience is actually living up to its name. Because if you're not thriving, then we failed and we are not doing a great job as a company and everything that we've done from a marketing perspective is now not truthful. It is not what we're delivering as a product. So this is a foolproof doing this process and establishing your why ensures that everything that you do beyond that, uh, allows the end user or the consumer of your product or services to make sure that they have that holistic experience and experience that same passion that, that, that you establish and why you end up performing that task as a company, which then makes the marketer's job very easy because then you're just promoting each of those things. Yeah. So it was a systematic way of. That's such a cool experience for you to go through and be a part of because that you you learned out of you know outside expertise and support with top hat i know they were so good to you and really did a lot of great work with the firm but that was that allowed you to like go through this experience of establishing that for yourself as desmone employees and what you guys wanted and then you're like damn this was like a cool look at ourselves yeah. And, I, and then that is like, this is what people should be doing. This should be like at the center of everyone's, you know, strategy for their own businesses. This can be applicable to not just architecture firms. It's everywhere. It's for anyone. It's right. for any business. Yeah. And it's just such a cool process. And then not only to do that, but now you're like, I've set up this system for any clients that we're going to walk them through so at the the end result is just such this positive thing for their business and their employees and everyone's happy with that hopefully that's the goal the, th the thriving and i think you brought the way that you're describing that is a really interesting way because what started out as a marketing task ended up the, the the marketing operational part of the business essentially established the culture mm -hmm. and it left a lasting impact mm -hmm. on not only the people who are working within our company, but then all the people that they're aiming to serve. Because it reshaped now, your thinking process. Yeah. Well, and it, and it allows people to have something to point to that represents the things that they feel whenever they come to work every single day. Yeah. And if, if somebody is going to, essentially dedicate their time and, the, and their own life to a particular task or a job, they should be proud of it. 
Yeah. And so that's the role that marketing can play in any organization, whether it's within real estate, or I'm sorry, within architecture or any other sector within real estate, is that if you can really tap into the why that company exists and the problem that they're solving, you can really make a lot of change very fast. Mm. Well said. That is that is well said. I I think that's kind of the the big takeaway here is understanding the core of your why, why you're doing something. I mean, you could think of it in an individual level. What drives you? Why are you getting up every day? What drives you at work? What drives you in your current position? What drives you in what you're aiming to do? What drives your business? Why do you work for what you do? Do you know the core values of your your current employer? I don't know, but something to, I think a lot of people don't, to be perfectly honest. And this is hopefully inspiring people to think about that, to think about what drives you, your why, why are you like, what are, what your core values are? The, The exercises, not only that we did in finding your why personally, and this whole story of Desmond has been so great to hear and so impactful for your business. And it's going to impact, I think the industry. And I, I don't know, I see so much value in it. I think it's so important, but individually we all get up and we go to work and we do these nine to five jobs. And for what, what is, what as a person makes you tick? What, what makes you feel good? And understanding that and why do you like the job that you're doing? Can you like start to unravel everything you do in a day-to-day basis to get to the bottom line of why you do what you do or what's important to you as an individual? I think that that can inform what you want to do. And maybe you're like, oh shit, I'm not in the right job because I actually hate what I do and this isn't who I am. And that's okay. It's all a journey. But thinking about that, and then you think of, you start to align yourself in life with more things that make sense to be around because you enjoy doing this. And I think a lot of marketers are trained to try to capture the largest audience possible. And I think while there is obviously value and volume, mm-hmm. it's the question that I think that most marketers should ask themselves is, is it the right volume? by establishing how uh, your why and how your company is going to operate and really representing that. It's a good point. It eliminates all of the potential people who don't align with those same values. Yeah. And if you, if you, if your values don't align, there's, there's not really going to be a compromise throughout that project process where you're ever going to see eye to eye because your philosophies are totally different and you're never going to create the best possible product. If you're in starting a relationship in the opposite ways. Yep. And, and that is really like one of the key roles that I think that marketing plays in real estate. What not only when you're marketing a property or a service provider is marketing themselves and the services that they provide to execute a particular vision for a building, like all those things need to be aligned to make that project really successful. I agree. 
and uh, ultimately the people who are working on it happy. Yeah. Oh, I love this. I love this. This is such feel good conversation for me because I just, I believe in it and I see value in all of this. So thank you for these stories. And I know that this has been such a success for Desmond and I see it as a success because you guys did the hard work and you're grounded in your belief system now. And that is only going to provide and produce success in the future. I truly believe that. Thank you. The firm and me, we really appreciate you acknowledging that. And thank you for having me on your show. I, I think I really appreciate what you're doing. I do believe that what you're doing is going to create a really positive change in the industry. You're going to give a lot of people who are feeling uh, that they are in a place of hopelessness, some light, that, that, that there is a way to be able to make small incremental changes in their roles as marketers so that they can make a very big positive impact on their company. <laughs> and as those companies continue to improve one by one, the whole industry is going to transform. So wow. thank you for doing this. Work. Wow. Thank you. That is high praise that I'm not sure I deserve yet, but I appreciate the confidence. And I, I just, I love this conversation. I always love talking with you. We always just can, we could talk for hours, but I wanted to wrap this up. Um, three, three key. If you were to leave the listeners at the very end of this, with three big takeaways or, you know, a handful of takeaways that you think are really important in a, establishing your brand or identifying your why or what can drive you in business or marketing efforts. What, what, what are good, a, a couple good takeaways from this? Uh, well, I think, you know, to play off of the story that I told of the process that, that Desmond took as a company, it's, it's really to establish what your mission and vision are as a company. As a market, if you're a market, I'm talking to the marketers now. If you're a marketer, make sure that your company has that. You're either going to identify it, and if they haven't identified it, you're going to help them establish it. It's not, as a marketer, it is not your vision. It is not your mission. It is your team members. Mm -hmm. so it's the not the individual. It's the collective. Correct. And, and, and then your second thing is, do you align with it? And what I mean by that is, as a marketer, if you align with that, proceed to step three. Uh, if you don't, then you're probably, as you said before, you're in the wrong hole. So uh, you have to believe it. You have to believe in what you're doing yeah. and why you're doing it. Yeah. And once you align with the vision of the company and you're all sold on that, it's ensuring that what you are marketing is truthful and that the product or the service that's being delivered to everybody really represents the spirit of what everybody's trying to accomplish. Embodying it, living it, you know. Not being afraid of talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Letting that inform everything that you do. So those steps, to recap what you said, establish your mission and vision. And if you don't have that, create it. Yep. Believe it. Exactly. And then live it. Yeah. Those are the, those are the, that's like taking this, this last hour and boiling it this down. This is why you are the expert host. <laughs> you summarize it in 30 <laughs> seconds and it takes me about an hour to talk about it. No, I just like to simplify things, I guess. <laughs> but 
yeah, I, I love those tips. I think that is a, a, hopefully people can take that and think about it and hopefully process it for either themselves individually as a professional or, you know, how can you implement that into your business plans or into your work environment or in, into inspiring people? Or maybe it's just a project that you want to try this concept of, you know, understanding the the goal of the project and then, you know, believing in that project and then living in that project and doing every part of the decision making to support it. So Anyways, thank you so much, Jim. Oh, thank you for Gr having me. Great right. story. That thank you, Desmond. Um, just such a cool story to tell. And Pittsburgh should be proud to have such a innovative and forward-thinking firm no. in, in Pittsburgh because I think this is just phenomenal, phenomenal work. Everything I said is a reflection of the leadership and the spirit of the team members. So uh, I thank them. That they're the ones that initiated this. I just facilitated it. So, but thank you for having us on. Uh, we really appreciate the work that you're doing and hope to join you in episode series. Yes, I'd on. love to have you again. This has been great. Thanks, right. Jim. Thanks, Ashley. What a great episode. What a great story. If you guys want to check out Desmone, look at their brand new, beautiful website online at desmone.com. That's D-E-S-M-O-N-E.com and find them on Instagram. Their Instagram handle is Desmone Architects, all one word. And find us while you're there. Find the Create Podcast. It's just create.pod. Follow along and stay tuned for more great episodes from the commercial real estate industry.